0: Chelsea Bay. And I'm Shay. Together, we are Fulfillment. Fulfillment is a storytelling event featuring local community leaders and entrepreneurs who share their personal journey towards fulfillment through vocation that will challenge you to come alive. The following stories are true, and no one's identity has been protected. Here's Fulfillment Stories Podcast number 42. Norm Wheeler is the co creator and host of Beach Bards Bonfire by-heart storytelling around a bonfire in Leelanau County. An astronomy and English teacher at the Leelanau School for 32 years, and a trumpet and flugelhorn player with groups around the area for 20 years. While hitchhiking around Europe in the 1970s, he met Mimi, founder of Grocer's Daughter's Chocolates in Copenhagen, and they brought their family, Jakob and Julia, to Leelanau County in 1984. Here's Norm's story from the September 2017 event. Next summer will be the 30th summer of the Beach Bards Bonfire. It is a by heart, storytelling, poetry, and music fire that we do on the beach of the Leelanau School on Sleeping Bear Bay on Friday nights from the end of June through the beginning of August. 30 years. I had no idea when we started that this could happen. Uh, When we moved up here from Olivet, Michigan, back in uh, 82... I found out pretty fast about a thing called Stone Circle. So I went. Here are some boulders circled around a fire that Terry Wooten had put together. And there's a group of tellers, poets, Taylin Thomas and Luann Leckler and Anne Marie Oman and Ray Nargis. And old Max Ellison was the guru behind all of this. Little short man with a belt-length white beard and a black Amish hat who traveled around the 50s and 60s in the Midwest doing assemblies, as we called them, in the schools, reciting poetry and telling stories. So we were thrilled by this, and Terry Wooten in those days talked about how what he was doing was stealing voices. He called it stealing voices. You have to, you have to say whose poem it is when you recite a poem, but you're basically trying to take that voice and make it your own or lay your voice on top of it in order to share it with people and make it come alive. So I was having a conversation with Bob Sutherland one day. He liked the Stone Circle also, but we live in Glen Arbor. So why don't we start our own fire? We can do it right down there at the fire pit at the school. So we did. We stole the idea from the Stone Circle to have our own poetry fire, and Bob was an expert at children's poems and stories, and then I got Ray Nargis and Ann Marie Oman to come and join us, and so 30 years later, we're still doing it. Um, Because I've heard all of his stuff so many times, I now have stolen pretty much all of Bob Sutherland's children's poems. (laughs) And so I work with Patrick Nemestow in a duo called Lunapy, and we do schools and we do the camp out there at Pyramid Point doing elementary school groups, interactive stories, songs, and poems. Why did I do this? How did this happen? Well, it's been interesting to think back. Uh, When we were in seventh grade, my buddy Don Henry and I played cornets. And there was only one cornet in the high school band. Her name was Cynthia Knoth. She was a senior and she was six foot four. We were in the seventh grade, and the band director said, Now you're in the high school band. So here we were marching down the field, two five foot tall white boys. Between was Cynthia Knoth, six foot four. And boy, could we nail the Trumpeter's holiday, though. Um, So we formed a band through the encouragement of Rich Granger, the band director. We formed a little Dixieland band with my brother and a couple other musicians. We were 14 or 15, our parents had to drive us to gigs. Uh, We did a prom here, a wedding there. And we got used to performing. I liked performing, uh, music. Then another teacher grabbed hold of me when I was a senior. Well, actually, when I was a junior, Martha and she forced me to write. She was not allowed to teach Othello, The Grapes of Wrath, or The Catcher in the Rye in Shelby, Michigan in the 1960s. But she told us that, and so we all read those books. <laughs> and uh, she made me write a paper about The Catcher in the Rye. I loved The Catcher in the Rye because of that voice in there, Holden Caulfield's voice. She, she taught me that I could write and encouraged me. And then my senior year, she said, you're going to be in this play. We're doing The Glass Menagerie by Tennessee Williams, and you're going to be the gentleman caller. So suddenly, here I am, zit-laced kid in uh, the middle of adolescence, standing up in front of the whole town doing a Tennessee Williams play. <laughs> but I liked it. I went to college at Olivet. The first day, freshman orientation, everybody gathers in the congregational church. The president welcomes us, the dean of students warns us, and then the head of the English department gets up, sets a glass of water on the podium, and he says, this poem is meant to be said in one breath. Next to, of course, God, America, I love you, land of the pilgrims, and so forth, though, say, can you see by the centuries come and go and are no more? What of it? We should worry in every language, even deaf and dumb, thy sons acclaim thy glorious name, by gory, by jingo, by G, by gosh, by gum. Why talk of beauty? What could be more beautiful than these heroic happy dead who rushed like lions to the roaring slaughter? They did not stop to think. They died instead. Then shall the voice of liberty be mute? He spoke and drank rapidly a glass of water. That was, that was an E.E. E. Cummings poem, and that man who stood up and did that was Leo T. Hendrick. Leo T. Hendrick was the head of the English department at Olivet College. I swear he was descended from the Druids. He could recite from Old English all the way through most of Chaucer, then into Pope and Dryden and Milton, and a whole lot of Shakespeare, and all the way up through the 20th century, William Butler Yeats He could recite all night long and did. Held court at the Garfield Lake Tavern all the time. In his class, I was taught by him that if it was literature, it wasn't supposed to be on the page. It was supposed to be shared. It was supposed to be alive. It was supposed to pass through your body. You were supposed to learn it memorize it and if it was coming from your soul then everybody would feel how profound it was and all poetry came from there he made me memorize my, many of us and I'm the one that remembered it I guess Old English Middle English and Yeats. so here's how the Beach Bards bonfire always starts Old English Beowulf Gardena in Dagum Theod Hutha and Framadan To the courts of Middle England where Chaucer intoned the opening lines of the Canterbury Tales in Middle English Juan de April with his <laughs> sota, the druct of March hath persed to the rota, and bothered every vine in switch liqueur, of which Vertu Andred is the floor. And here's a little drinking song by W.B. Yeats. Wine comes in at the mouth and love comes in at the eye. That's all we'll ever know for truth before we grow old and die. I lift my glass to my mouth, I look at you and I sigh. So I had all this poured into my head by a teacher who made me love it and made me realize the responsibility of carrying it forward. Poetry's meant to be shared, it's meant to be out loud. His son, Tom, was my age and we were good buddies. And Tom was an even fiercer conversationalist, demanding that you learn poems and you could not miss a syllable or he'd nail you. Tom and I made beer one time, made every mistake you could make. Ten gallons of beer in a plastic garbage can. We bought blue ribbon malt, cane sugar, and red arrow bread yeast. (laughs) We put a lamp down in there to keep it warm. When it was done, we put it in mason jars. And we were carrying the mason jars through the house to take them down into the basement. And Leo was sitting there having his boiler maker every night and he looked and he wondered what we were doing and we said we made some beer. Oh, uh, let's have a taste. Uh, So we poured a glass and he made a big production out of it. He sniffed it and he swirled it and he held it up to the light. And then he took a sip and he held it and he had our attention and he said, well, uh, boys, your horse has diabetes. Leo Hendrick is the reason that I still memorize poems. (laughs) I got to be a member of the family. There were eight kids, four boys and four girls. Maureen is here, the first Hendrick child, Leo's daughter, like a sister to me. And four days after I graduated from Olivet College, Leo was at the Chamber of Commerce Banquet at the Student Center. The whole town was there. He got up and did that poem. And then he died of his third heart attack at the age of 49 years old. So the torch was passed on to me, the responsibility to go forward sharing poems, learning poems, making literature come alive. Another great teacher I had was Jim Bowers. His wife, Yuda was from Denmark. They had a sauna. We had class at his house all the time. After sauna, we'd have class. Um, they made me want to go to Denmark. So when I hitchhiked around Europe, I did go to Denmark. And I met a woman, Mimi, in Copenhagen. And if you remember the teacher in Dead Poets Society, he asks the boys in the class, what's the purpose of poetry? And they give him a whole bunch of fancy answers until finally he shakes his head and says, no, the purpose of poetry is to woo women. (laughs) Well, that's what I did when I was in Copenhagen. And Mimi and I will celebrate our 40th anniversary next week. Jakob and Julia, our kids, born in Denmark, are also both, well, they've heard me say poems so many times that they can do a lot of the poems better than I can. And that's just as well. So it gets passed on that way. We're still waiting for somebody to step up at the Beach Bard's bonfire to carry it forward. Somebody will be coming along, I'm pretty sure. I hope so. Um, So my story's about teachers. These teachers I had made me want to learn. They, they gave me a passion. They saw what my passion was, they fed it, and they made me want to learn. And so I've been learning poems my whole life because of Leo Hendrick and other teachers like him. And so my challenge for you is go learn a poem. If you've got a few poems in your head, it makes you better. It makes you. Uh, Better company for yourself in waiting rooms and driving around sitting at the red lights, I'll tell you that. Uh, Learn a poem that you can say to your grandkids. Learn a poem with which you can astonish your parents, anyone you love. Learn a poem for those backyard fires in the summertime. Something that you can share that you know, and this is important, by heart. By heart doesn't just mean you've got it memorized. It means that you pass it through your body. You share it in your voice, with your breath, by heart. I started with Max Ellison and the Stone Circle, so here's a Max Ellison poem. I'll teach it to you right now. Two of them. Repeat after me. Mary had a little lamb. One day the lamb fell dead. Now Mary takes the lamb to school. Between two chunks of bread. Thank you.